Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family cannolis and spins mean everything now you want to get mixed up in the family business introducing the godfather at chumpacasino.com test your luck in the shadowy world of the godfather slot someday i will call upon you to do a service for me play the godfather now at chumpacasino.com welcome to the family no purchase necessary vgw group void where prohibited by law 18 plus terms and conditions apply Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello and welcome to the It's All Cobblers to Me preview show. I'm Danny Brothers and I'm here to look ahead to the final Cobblers game before Christmas as we host Oxford United at Sixfields on Saturday. Uh, before we get into the show, though, we've got a quick shout out to do. A big hello to Kieran Finnan, who's been in touch from Pennsylvania, USA. Uh, Kieran's originally from Corby and wanted a Christmas shout out for his wife Zoe and his three kids, Killian, who is five, Lachlan, who's four, and Niall, who's one. So Merry Christmas to all of you and uh, hope you have a fantastic break. Thank you so much for listening from across the pond. Always good to hear from overseas listeners for sure. Got an opposition fan on with us now, as usual, though, to preview Saturday's game. Please welcome to the preview show from the Manor podcast, Jack Schumark. How are you doing, Jack? Yeah, very well. Uh, thank you for having me on. And yeah, uh, Christmas wishes to, to all football fans at this time of the year, isn't it? Oh, definitely, definitely. So it's a great time to be a football fan, but fitting it all in is a is a nuts job as well. Isn't yeah. it? So I was just trying to get it all get it all in with a name like Schumacher. Well, you should really be a Cobblers fan, to be fair. But we'll well, well yeah, yeah, that, that's a good spot actually. But, uh, an unfunny friend at school used to change my nickname to Footprint in another kind of shoe related thing. So okay. yeah, I've had them all, unfortunately. Um, in terms of becoming an Oxford fan, then how long have you been an Oxford fan? How did you get into watching Oxford? So, uh, so I was born in Oxford, but uh, when I was about, I don't know, one, one and a half, we actually moved up to York. Um, so then when I hit the kind of age where my dad was happy to take me to games, kind of six, seven years old, he basically said, you're not being a Leeds fan because everyone supported Leeds around York in, in those in those days. You can either support where you're living now, York, or support where you're born, Oxford. Um, this was, what, 97? And I said, I'll go with the yellows and... Here we are, and uh, it's been a interesting what twenty five years or whatever. Yeah, um, mainly pain, but some highlights in there as well. But I wouldn't change it for the world because there's been some great memories. 
so 97 you would have been in this is like division one-ish era yeah, so this yeah. is like would have been is it championships level would that be when you start yeah watching yeah it? so my my first games were like seeing oxford play middlesbrough regularly west brom regularly uh, i think man city you know some of these clubs that have now consolidated themselves in the in the premier league and we went in the opposite direction so yeah but yeah, I say I wouldn't change it. I don't think you'd ever change anything about your own football club, really. No, not at all. So you've basically gone from championship right the way down to conference um, national back up again. So you've seen literally the 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 lows and the the highs of it of, of it all. Um, what what would you say is your like standout Oxford memory over the years? Your your favourite moment from watching Oxford? I think there's probably a couple, and I mean they're probably classic ones. So winning the playoff final at Wembley against. Weirdly, York. So all my school friends at the time were in the York end. Um, but winning that to get us back in the Football League, I mean, was massive generally, but massive for the whole existence of the club. Mm-hmm. And then the second one would be the the promotion 15-16, being at the game where we beat Wickham and just, yeah, just feeling some jubilation. Um, again, I think being promoted as a lower league fan, no fans of bigger clubs will ever understand that feeling because they're too busy moaning about being fifth in the Premier League yeah. or <laughs> only finishing 16th or something like that. Whereas I think, yeah, promotion from League Two to League One or out, out of the National League is is just one of the best feelings. Yeah, that's, that was under Kelvin Thomas and Chris Wilder, wasn't it? The conference. The conference, yeah, it was, the conference, yeah. yeah. So what kind of feelings do you have towards towards both of them? Both of them I'm assuming. Uh, I'm not sure how you'd feel about Wilder if, in terms of what he did in leaving you where you were to join us where we were. But in terms of Kelvin Thomas, Chris Wilder, what, what's the kind of fan base feelings? As, a, as I say, I think it, it only became apparent after that game in 2010. But if we'd have lost that, we probably wouldn't exist now. Mm. So, you know, what Chris Wilder did for us as a club looking to get back in the Football League. He made us a serious contender. He obviously got us back and he left us in a good place, realistically. Um, you know, his exit was all a bit odd at the time, I think, in, in every part of it, how he left, why he left, um, obviously where you guys were at the time. But for him, it's proven to be the masterstroke, really. Um, and then Kelvin, yeah, again, being the kind of chairman that ultimately saved the club and got them back to the football league, you can't you can't say a bad word ultimately. So, um, yeah, they're Oxford legends in their own right for kind of putting us back on the on the football map, really. And uh, yeah, fair play to what they've got on to do in their in their careers, and you know, being Kelvin's kind of business and football exploits. Mm. Uh, Twenty fifteen sixteen, obviously, you spoke about earlier as well with Kelvin pretty much did the same with us saved us from what could have been complete obliteration as a club um but obviously you're finishing second behind us that year but a certain Michael Appleton said you were the best team in the league do you agree with that oh we're the best team to watch but obviously the best team to watch doesn't necessarily win the league otherwise you know the tippy tappy teams would win the league every season so um I I know what he meant but I think it got it got portrayed uh I think it got portrayed deliberately, and it, it's quite funny actually um, yeah. when you look back on it now because that was a really exciting season for both clubs. And at the end of the day, we got what we wanted, didn't we? So yeah, yeah, exactly. You know. Yeah, yeah. It's a quality season. You've been in League One since, so you can't, you know, which we've been up and down. You've been in steadily in League One since, maybe not so steady last season, but we'll come on to that in a little bit. But you've established yourself in League at League One level. You're almost pretty much ready to take the next step now what do you think it's going to take to make that next step up to the championship and how are fans about that kind of challenge coming ahead? 
it's it's quite an interesting one because off the pitch and the kind of facilities etc arguably championship now um the stadium obviously isn't because there's a big gap at one end but there's a um, planning application about to go in for a new stadium mm-hmm. with the aim of being in it for the 26-27 season, I think. So that all feels like it's gathering momentum off the pitch, kind of looking upwards. And on the pitch, we've kind of obviously the couple of playoff campaigns this season so far is looking positive. I think really this season to get out of this league, it's going to be of the top seven or eight who can string the longest run together to keep them in the mix. And also, who's going to lose players in January? The days of players saying, you know what, I'm going to stay for the entire season and, you know, commit to the project I've started, you know, have kind of disappeared. So, really, yeah, it's consistency in results, which is obvious to say, but it's also keeping the squad together and just, you know, keeping the, the good feeling around and not panicking when things go, you know, go south because everyone's going to have a bad run at some point. Um but yeah, it's exciting times for the club, both on and off the pitch. And it'd be nice if, you know, a new stadium would be a thing and we're in the championship as well. It almost went completely the opposite direction last season. Complete outlier, it seems, from the last couple of seasons. Fourth, sixth and eighth before then, in terms of league finishes, a couple of playoff campaigns. 19th last season, it somehow ended up in a relegation battle, but uh, like no one would have seen that coming. We were all talking about it on our podcast as well, thinking like, what what happened? How did you end up down there? And what have you done to to turn that tide around under, firstly under Leon Manning, I think, last season? Yeah, last season was just, what's a good way to say it? Disaster, really. <laughs> um, there was a lot of things going on off the pitch involving our former manager that I think took a lot of people's eyes off the ball, so to speak, culminating in results just completely bottoming out. He tried to change his style of play. It didn't work. His recruitment had been kind of poor, kind of older players who were injury prone, who couldn't get on the pitch enough. This is Carl um, Robinson, is it? Who's, this is Carl Robinson, yeah. yeah. It was just, yeah, you could put it down to four or five things all combining together. I mean, realistically, he'd been with the club about four years anyway, so probably reaching a natural kind of um, cliff edge in that sense. Mm-hmm. And it just, yeah, if we had not got rid of him, I think it was February when we did, we would have gone down under him 100%. As it was, Liam Manning came in and he just made us hard to beat for the last 10 games or so, whatever it was which isn't really his style as, as we've seen at the start of this season. But mm. in the end, we did a, we did enough to stay up and, you know, it's kind of been an evolution ever since. Yeah, I guess that's what the job was at first though, wasn't it? That when you come in in March, you've got no transfer window. You've got nothing you can do on the playing side really to help keep you up. It's literally a rescue mission to start off with. And you've, you started off with what I think it was four or five draws out the out of the first six games just, and becoming hard to beat was the only thing you could do. You got his first win didn't come to April in the league and you've, you've got over the line and got safe by beating Forest Green. But it must be, it must have been such a different feeling in the summer to then be like, right, we're safe now. Let's, let's start all over again. And I think a lot of, a lot of players from a lot of fans, sorry, from the outside must have been thinking under Liam Manning, it's a fresh start, completely new feeling over the summer. And what did he do over the summer to start turning that tide around? I think he had a plan. I think he'd, he'd, he'd taken those 10 games at the back of the last year and very quickly knew what he wanted um, in terms of recruitment, who he didn't want. 
um, what kind of player he needed to play the style that he wanted to. And he, him and his recruitment team or our recruitment team got on with the job quickly. So by the start of pre-season, we had four or five done. Um, by the start of the season, I think he'd got pretty much everyone he wanted, bar a couple of late ones towards the back end of the window, which is a whole million miles away from the previous season where we didn't really sign many before the game started. And then you kind of constantly playing catch up. Um, so I think he just came in. He he knew it was kind of a three part project, and he ultimately only saw two parts of that through. But um, he, you know, yeah, I think he's a he's a very intelligent football manager. He saw what he needed in those ten games and acted on it quickly, rather than take a long time to do so. Yeah, and it started out with what ten wins from the from the first twelve games. Everything going swimmingly, you're up in second place. Suddenly, Bristol City come along, championship side, take them away. What what you're feeling at the time when that's when the firstly when the how long was it between the rumour starting and it actually happening and how were your, your fans feeling? Was it it must have been quite a big shock for you? Yeah, so I, I remember when the Bristol City job first came up, um, Manning was kind of in the bookies odds down at eighteen to one or something and there was a couple of people saying, Oh, can't believe he's in the odds. And then we played, I think it was Maidenhead in the FA Cup, and he was kind of asked about it because his odds had come in quite a lot as if there had been some kind of talks or whatever, and he, he didn't really commit. And that was the first time that a lot of people thought, oh, hold on, there might be something in this. And then weirdly, with how football media works now, his assistant manager, Chris Hogg, was on Radio Oxford's Monday morning show, which they release as a kind of short-style podcast. And he kind of said oh, well, I don't know, that's to see what happens in football. And everyone assumed, because he'd agreed to come on this podcast, that there was nothing in it. And then less than 24 hours later, they were being shown with their scarves at Bristol City and and all the rest of it. So I think it was quite a bitter feeling, really. Shock, because, you know, the guy had only been in the club for six months or so. He mm. talked about this long-term project. He built a squad and then kind of threw it all out the door after, what, 15 games or whatever it was. Um but to the club, club's credit, they appeared to have a plan for his successor. Yeah. Um, I think the, the the people interviewed all kind of cut from the same mould. Um, and in Des Buckingham, as, a, as an Oxford boy, an Oxford fan, um, is basically a kind of Liam Manning Mark II, really, with his career from the City Football Group and, and coaching abroad as well. So he's, he probably was the best fit, taking away the Oxford loyalty from him. I think he was the best fit and... You know, it takes time, doesn't it, when you change manager for things to kind of click exactly. But there's there's some good signs now after six or seven games. Yeah, and that must be really good as fans as well, just to know it for it to happen that quickly. I think a few years ago, you set you you see a job. I mean, we had it with Keith Curl; it changed really quickly. But we had one manager sacked, another manager comes in straight away. You th- you start to think, oh, you know. Is, is that too straightforward? Is that too easy? But in Des Buckingham, like I say, he's born in Oxford, is an Oxford fan, big successes overseas, New Zealand, Australia, Mumbai City, winning leagues. As soon as his name started appearing in the room mill being linked, it just felt like it was inevitable, didn't it? And it, it must be really good as a fan base to see a plan taking place and a succession plan in place straight away, even though Liam Manigan had only been there for a few months, that that plan was still in the background and mumbling along. Yeah, I think it's exciting as well. I mean, in an ideal world, every football fan wants their club to be owned, managed, played for by people who really yeah. understand, love the club and get it. And it doesn't happen very often. 
So actually, in that aspect, De- Dez has probably got a bit of a hard task because everyone's like, oh, he's an Oxford fan. Like, doesn't that mean success automatically as if those two <laughs> ever marry up? Yeah. But yeah, from the club's point of view, they they obviously identified him early, approached Mumbai, the impressed with his interviews, etc. And he does speak very well. Um, I think he's a really good coach. We've already seen how he tries to change things in-game if things aren't going as well as we want or... He's not afraid to make a substitution at half time. He, mm-hmm. He's tweaked a few bits even in recent games. So, yeah, he's, it, it's not very often that we as a club have been linked with exciting upcoming young coaches, and to have kind of two in a row is is unheard of, really. Yeah, and what's that down to? Where's that coming from? Is that just coming from a new approach from the board? When when did that start? Because obviously, Carl Robinson was there for quite a while. But is that something that was spoken about behind the scenes or in in interviews with with a chairman and things like that? The owner who appointed Carl Robinson is still involved, but he's not the outright owner anymore. He he's sold to two wealthy Indonesian guys, one of which who's been on the board at Inter Milan and DC United, who's brought some football people into the kind of director roles as well. So our CEO is now Tim Williams, who was financial director at Manchester United for five or six years. So understands football, but also understands the business side of football as much as we don't like admitting it, it, it is these days. And I think having worked at kind of high level clubs, they've seen the foundations you need for success and they're just trying to recreate that, albeit at League One level. And that has seen that kind of change of approach in the kind of manager we go after. Where you're at at the moment then, coming into Christmas time, almost halfway in League One, what would you say are your expectations for the season as a fan base? Because last season obviously was, a, like I said, a massive outlier. Is it an expectation to reach the top six now, having started that well? And how much pressure do you think is on Buckingham to carry that on and to finish in the top six himself? If you'd have asked in pre-season what the expectations, I think people would have, well, you'd had some sections of the fan base who would have said improve on last year. And others like myself would have been, let's try and have a, fl- try and have a flirt with the playoffs and see what happens. I think this league, you've got you know, your classics, you've got your Derbys, your Portsmouths, your Boltons, your Barnsleys. You expect those four to be, you know, lead, leading it away. Obviously, we had the good start and everyone's expectations naturally lift. I think, again, that's almost a little bit of pressure on Des Buckingham, actually, because if, if we were to collapse and miss out on everything, then he will always be the man who came in and broke it, if you see what I mean. Yeah. But... If if you're a realist, you've got to accept that six months ago, seven months ago, we were almost going out of this league in the wrong direction. So to even be involved in the conversations halfway through this season is a complete turnaround. Realistically, I think a couple of additions in January and I can't see why we can't stay in the mix. Ultimately, are we good enough? Who knows? I think it's going to be about who can hold their nerve the longest and string some results together, especially in those kind of last 10 games or so. So often in this league, we see a team come from nowhere and kind of hijack the playoffs. So there's a lot of football to be played yet, but I mean, we've got to be happy with where we are. And I can't see a reason why we can't keep it up. But, you know, you never know what's around the corner. Yeah, FA Cup and EFL Trophy as well to I'd say to deal with like it's an issue because we're out of everything <laughs> but, but but third round tie really exciting tie actually away to Coventry that's one that you look at and you think of a it's a really good game for you b it gets potentially winnable especially if you can get it back to your place and it Again, it sort of builds up the momentum. You've got Des Buckingham coming in. He's going to want to lay a marker down. He's, he already has in the competition. He's got You've got the EFL trophy as well. 
alongside that away at Wimbledon, again, a winnable game. So that's going on as well. How It's an exciting couple of months coming up for you, isn't it? Yeah, it's it's odd, isn't it? Because I think you can again you can always split fan bases into two about cup runs. There's those who say, "Oh, we don't need them. Concentrate on the league." And there's those who say, "Yeah, but William breeds confidence." And I think Plymouth last year we got to the whatever it was called trophy final, yeah, pizza cup. Yeah. Like it didn't impact them in the league. So I think, especially with a new manager in in the building, the more games he's got to kind of influence his style and and look at players and all the rest of it. And equally, actually, we've we've got quite a lot of injuries at the minute. So those cup games are the opportunity to get some of those players back when they're fit again and get them some game time in less pressure situations. So yeah, I'm I'm, I'm a fan who likes a cup run. Um, I quite fancy us to to do something against Cov. I don't think it'll be their biggest priority in the world. So mm-hmm. you never know what might happen. Yeah. So if I give you right now, then FA Cup quarterfinal place or place in the playoffs, which which one are you taking? Oh yeah, as much as I like a cup run, I'm I'm I am league focused. So if you're giving me a place in the playoffs, I'm ta- absolutely taking them. <laughs> nice, nice. Uh, that's brilliant. Uh, we'll come back after the break with more from Jack. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. With the Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome back. We're still here with Jack from the Manor podcast. Let's come to the, onto the match itself on Saturday and Jack. Big game. Um, first win under Des Buckingham under the belt last weekend. What can we expect from you then in terms of how the team is going to approach the game after that win against Burton? So it's quite an interesting one. I think the main tweak we've seen from, from Manning to Buckingham is a, a bit more of a focus on getting the ball wide quicker. Well, we've got a whole stockpile of wingers, but most, most of which are injured. But um, the current kind of first choice wingers, Stan Mills and Josh Murphy, are both your kind of classic wingers. They're tricky, direct, speedy, like to take their full back on um, and kind of get balls into the box or, or look to bring other players into into play. And actually, that's been the approach, be it away at Cheltenham, away at Reading, home to Burton, JPT, whatever it's called, trophy. You know, he has a way of playing and, and that's what he plays. But equally, he has tweaked a few things. So Cameron Brannigan was playing a little bit deeper under him. On Saturday against Burton, he played a bit higher up and influenced the game really well. Seems to get a tune out of Ruben Rodriguez. So I think we'll, we'll come to win. I don't think a Des Buckingham side, unless you know it's a six-point at the end of the season where you can't afford to lose it, I don't think he's ever going to come and set up for a draw, which probably brings its own pitfalls and that we can be quite open on the turnover. We have struggled against teams who, who try kind of a quite high block. So this, this Oxford team can can be sensational for 90 minutes. They can be 
frustrating for 90 minutes and they can be everything in between as well. So, it, yeah, it, it'll be interesting to see how we set up, but I think we'll be coming to win the game and, and try and play rather than frustrate. Mm. Is there any concerns about waveform at the minute? There was, I think, three shots on target in the last two away games combined at Peterborough and Reading. Obviously, very different games, but you're saying that you're still playing exactly the same away from home as you are, as you are at home because you, you've come back against Burton, 28 shots, 14 on target. Again, Burton will be Burton at the minute. But um, can you see a difference between home and away form at the minute? I think we we are most all the classic. At home, you've got your home fans. It's a bit of a bigger pitch at the stadium. So it lends itself a bit more to the style we want to play. That being said, even when we were winning 10 out of 12, or whatever it was at the start of the season, we weren't creating shed loads of chances. We were just scoring the chances we did get. So actually not creating much isn't anything new. It's just that not creating came in line with not scoring. And then immediately everyone starts going, well, Oxford have stopped scoring and stopped winning. But it's almost uh, an end result of what was coming before. It's just law of averages states it happens at some point. I mentioned about the Brannigan tweak on Saturday, which opened things up again. And that, you know, your 28 shots and whatever it was. Granted, it's Burton who just seems to be in free fall at the moment. But I, I'm hoping it spreads some confidence into the team that, you know, actually we still can play really good football and create chances. Reading, I went to the Reading game and it was just a lot of the ball without creating anything. Like you referenced three shots on target across two games. It comes back to my point, this team can play or it can frustrate. And depending which end of the spectrum we fall at, you'll get the 28 shots or the three shots kind of thing. And it, it's quite hard to tell which team um, is going to be the one that turns up. I mean, it sounds like if it wasn't for Max Crocombe in the Burton goal, which I think he used to play for you as well, didn't he? Yeah, um, he did. It could have been 5 six, seven, seven nil at the weekend, just how dominant you were in that game. Yeah, we from having gone from not creating many chances regularly, we suddenly created so many in one game. So you almost <laughs> wonder if it was like the backlog of them, um, you know, kind of eking their way into the system. But that, as I say, that 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 is how Des Buckingham plays. He wants to um, get people on the ball and attack, and sometimes that comes off, sometimes it doesn't. I think the onus is always on the opposition to try and stop us and frustrate us. And teams that have done well against us have, you know, logic suggests so, but have really managed to do that. You mentioned Ruben Rodriguez came back in um, against Burton. Really good signing from Notts County in the summer. How big a difference does he make when he's in there? Yeah, he's just a classy player. He's got the all the makings, you know, your classic kind of European flair player who wants to get on the ball, do a trick, loves a nutmeg, yeah. um, ne- never scores a bad goal, brings other players into, in, into the game, um, covers a lot of ground. He's got his little kind of tetchy side, so he's picked up a few bookings for descent and, and these kind of things. But he's someone who's really grown into League One over these 2021 20, games. I think stepping up to two leagues always takes a little bit of time to, you know, kind of bed in and get up to speed. But I was saying on another podcast with, with some Derby fans, I was saying if Ruben Rodriguez was 22 years old at this point and performing as well as he was, then you'd probably have him as a shoe in to reach the Premier League. You know, he's, he's a bit later in his 20s, so he's probably, well, he, he will be a championship player, in my opinion, whether that's with us or not. I think he'd get signed if we if we didn't go up. But he, yeah, he's just a, a pleasure to watch. He sounds like the type of maverick that we need at the minute in that number 10 role. We've got Mark Leonard in there, but we were talking about it the other day that we, we, we just, everyone just loves a maverick, don't they? <laughs> they love someone who they don't know what they're doing. So how is anyone else going to know what they're doing? Yeah, and you, you, can't, you can't fail to love them either. Like, it's just... When when you stood in the, on the terrace or, or whatever, you 
you get that excitement when they get the ball because you're right, they could ping it in the top corner from 25 yards or they could put it in Rosehead trying <laughs> to do a cross-field pass. It's, you never know what might happen, but yeah, it brings some excitement to it. Yeah, I want to ask about Mark Harris as well because there was a few links with the Cobblers over the summer. I'm not sure how true it was, but there was, it was, his name was definitely one that was being banded around. But it seems to have made a decent enough start with you. Yeah, it's, it's funny because he scored three goals in two games at the start of the season. I think it was three, three in the first three or whatever it was. He's not scored since. So immediately everyone goes, oh, hold on, you've got a striker who's not scoring goals. But I think when you look at his career, he played a lot of his games for Cardiff kind of out wide. Mm-hmm. So he's never really been the focus point number nine before. He's not been the main man. So he's probably carrying a little bit of pressure on his shoulders. But really for us, his all-round game has been the most impressive. So this is the classic thing that divides football fans all the time. If a striker's not scoring goals, then he's rubbish. Yeah. But if you try and caveat it and say, yeah, but he brings people into play, then people will say, yeah, but he's a striker, he's supposed to score goals. Yeah, this is work rate, isn't it? Yeah. Exactly. In In the modern game, if you're playing the system we do, your striker, so to speak, needs to be more than kind of a goal scorer. And he does do that. Um, our goal away at Reading came from a great ball from him out wide. He involves other players. I think if you were being brutally honest, then you probably would go back to the classic football fan and say, we do need a goal scorer and we want to go and get one in January, 100%, because ultimately you can't rely on other players in the team to keep scoring all the time when they're not a striker. But three goals doesn't sum him up as a player. He's got a lot more than that. And, you know, he still starts every game, even though he's only got the three goals. So he's doing something right. Top scorer, I was looking at earlier, I was like, a little bit surprised to see Billy Bowden on top of your leading goal scorer charts. Former cobbler briefly for us, um, top scorer with seven. For you, has he been out the side recently? Has he been injured the last couple of games? Yeah, he's he's been carrying a knock. So he came out the side against Reading, I think it was last week, and then they didn't put him in the squad on Saturday. By all accounts, that's to manage him. We've got quite a lot of injuries. So we, Marcus Brown's injured at the minute. Carl Edwards is injured at the minute. So they're two big forward players for us. So I think with Christmas coming up, we didn't want to lose another one. Um, so he may get back in on Saturday, probably from the bench, I'd imagine. But I think it's just about managing his game time because he is a player who's had injuries you know, in previous seasons. So, But he's again, he's another one, actually. When he's on the pitch, he's an exciting player. He gets involved. Mm-hmm. There's kind of a conversation amongst Oxford fans about can we play both Bode and Rodriguez together? Do we play at our best with both of them on the pitch? And you, as always, you can manipulate the stats in either direction to support your argument or not. But they're two very exciting players. And when they're on form, generally, we as a side are on form. Is there anyone else we should be looking out for that we might not know a lot about as Cobblers fans? I think probably the surprising one is Josh Josh Murphy, the winger. So brother of Jacob is at Newcastle. Mm-hmm. High pedigree as a young younger player, you know, gone for I think eleven million pounds. Cardiff paid for him. This is his second season with us. Last year was a total non-event, really, for a number of reasons. But the last five or six games, he, he's really come to the party. He looks confident. He's been beating fullbacks for fun. It's just his end product, really, which arguably sums up us up as a team. Cameron Brannigan, I think everyone knows Cameron Brannigan in League One. Um, he's just, again, having another good season. I suppose, actually, the probably the lesser-known player is Marcus McGuane. So, mm-hmm. yes, he's been with us a couple of seasons. But, again, this year he's really come to the party. He seems to have a bit more awareness. I think he's learnt that League One, you don't have as much time as he's quite like. He's a player who's come through the academy at Arsenal and been at Barcelona B and this kind of thing. So he's used to playing kind of 
fluent footballing sides and perhaps League One's been a bit of a culture shock at times. But um, yeah, he he's come to the party and he scored his first league goal ever for us at the weekend in three seasons. So yeah. um, that, that you know that sums up that he's having a much better season. It sounds like there's a it's going to be a really attacking outlook from you away from home. Even it could go either way, but I feel like it, the teams like that that come that put us under pressures tend to do quite well. Like Barnsley came here and did a really good job on us. Uh, Portsmouth obviously, obviously a few weeks ago did the same thing. It feels like there's a lot of attacking flair in there. With your fans coming to six fields on Saturday, I assume you've sold out the entire allocation as normal. Yeah, yeah, sold out. Yeah, yeah. What what will you be? expecting from the game obviously a game against the team coming up from league two but you know as well it's a localish game what what are you generally expecting from the game as i say i think we we play to win under des buckingham but it could be a bit cagey we have struggled against some sides who've kind of pressured us quite a lot um so i'm just thinking games games we've lost this season like we lost away at cambridge obviously drew at Reddin, lost at cheltenham lost at wigan uh lost to port vale at home so I think teams know with an Oxford side, it's not new to this season. It's probably been the last two or three seasons that if you put us under pressure and stop us from playing, then you can have joy. I'd like to think that after Saturday, the team's got that confidence to know that we're still a good team. Just because we haven't won for three or four games before that, you don't go, you know, you don't turn to a bad team overnight. But equally for you guys, I'd have to say I'm surprised to see how comfortable you are in League One this season. I think that's the classic going, oh, they come up from League Two, they'll struggle. But just looking at the table now, what, you're 11 points clear, the relegation zone. Mm-hmm. You're actually close to the playoffs in the relegation zone, which is, I think is a fantastic season so far. Yeah, yeah, sure. For your guys. And it'll be a difficult game. I was looking, we, we've we not won at six fields since October 2014. So I think that's four four visits ago. And we've also not scored since then at six fields in four games. So It'll be a good start for us if we can score on Saturday and then anything else is a bonus. Yeah, I definitely think there's goals in it for sure. It's one of those for us. I don't know how we're going to approach it as such because we almost saw Portsmouth as a free hit, as you do, Mm. and running away with the league. I don't think, I don't know. I think the type of team, the type of club that Oxford are, there's that little tiny bit of bite about it that it's localish or that kind of thing. I don't think we'll treated the same way and I don't think John Brady will ever admit to treating any game like a free hit Mm -hmm. but we're almost well enough clear of the relegation zone now and in that patch where we can almost enjoy it a little bit more as home fans going into this game and really challenge ourselves we've got to a point where we've beaten teams around us that we've set that we've given us ourselves a chance just to go into a game like this and, and challenge ourselves against one of the better teams in the league so it, it'll be a really I think it'll be a really exciting game I think on Saturday actually to be fair yeah and I think as I say I think we'll we'll come to have a go and and you know we want we want the three points we you know we need the three points um you want you want your Christmas period to get off to a good start we've got Cambridge at home on Boxing Day, and I imagine they'll come to frustrate a little bit, um, although they, they've picked up under Neil Harris so far. Mm-hmm. Uh, we then go into Derby next Friday, which is going to be a massive game, and then Charlton on New Year's Day. So I think that's the wonderful thing about Christmas, isn't it? Every game you play across the festive period brings a, a different challenge, and yeah. this is where you really start to see who's going to be a threat towards the top because they got to adapt to all those different challenges. Mm-hmm. I think, yeah, I think you're right. I think there'll be goals in it. It's a classic. It's who turns up on the day the most. Yeah, but I'm, I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, it should be a good one. Um, we asked this of every everyone who comes on the preview show. We asked this question before we come on to predictions. If you were in the cobbler's dressing room on Saturday, giving the team talk, what would you be saying to our players in terms of how to beat you? We're uh, susceptible on the counter. It's a, it's a quick turnover of the ball, getting players in behind our fullbacks who tend to push quite high. 
I think the kind of uh, the second ball on the edge of the box. If you if you're winning the second ball more often than not, you'll you'll, you'll get opportunities to score. Um, just as the nature of the midfield is a little bit uh, not particularly rigid, it's more floaty, so there, there will be gaps. But yeah, so it's, yeah, it's give it a real good go because we have kind of rolled over a little bit when teams have really kind of come at us um, in in some games. Nice, nice. Let's have a score prediction then. Correct score prediction from you. I'll go for a three-one Oxford win. Yeah, I think it'll be two-one, and we'll score a late, a late third just to kind of seal it when when you guys are lobbing people forward. I'm going to go for, yeah for a bit of a bit of early Christmas cheer. I'll go for that. <laughs> yeah, we'll definitely have a go for sure, as well as you do, especially if we go behind. So there, I think there's definitely goals in it. I've, I'm going to go for Desmond we had one last weekend I'll go for another one this weekend I think most people coming into the ground will be quite happy with a 2-2 with a draw um, and plenty of goals and excitement for for the Christmas time it's going to be a busy time so our squad is definitely going to be stretched as I'm sure yours will as well with those injuries yeah. but but um, yeah excited for it good time of year to be playing you I think as well just in terms of the there's not a lot on it at the minute so it should be a really exciting game but Jack thank you so much for joining us for the preview show anything you want to plug before we go yeah, so I'm part of the, the Tut Manor podcast, so we're all exiled Oxford fans who live or have lived in Yorkshire. Um, so we're, we're on Twitter, we'll be recording ahead of the festive period as well. So we're at Tut, the letter T, underscore Manor podcast. And uh, yeah, just best wishes for the season, really, apart from on Saturday. <laughs> definitely all the best to you as well. And be uh, interested to see where you go under Des Buckingham as well. So uh, all the best for the rest of the season for you guys. Good luck to the cobblers this weekend and over Christmas. That is it from the pod over Christmas. The pod is taking a much needed winter break now. So to all of our listeners, we did want to say a huge, huge thank you for listening to It's All Cobblers to Me in 2023. Whether it's your first episode or you've been with us from the very start when Neil fell off his chair at Centre Parks. We really, really do appreciate every single listen, every comment, every like, every bit of feedback we get. So thank you for sticking with us. We'll be back in early January to round up all of the Cobblers Christmas and New Year action. In the meantime, if you do want that little bit more of us, do check out patreon.com forward slash cobblers to me and you can access bonus podcasts our amazing and happy and joyful slack community and right now you can take advantage of the 12 pods of christmas which is a new podcast every day up until boxing day that's patreon.com forward slash cobblers to me for that one it would make a nice little last minute christmas present if you're not completely sorted as well for someone Uh, thank you so much to everyone for listening today and throughout this year it means a really really lot to us to all of us at the pod so thank you so much have a great christmas have a great new year break from all of us at it's all cobblers to me we'll see you soon Podcast Network.